Welcome to Mama's Roots Are Showing podcast. This is the place where we recognize that we get one motherhood. So if you'd rather not wing it, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Nicolette, and I love researching all things motherhood related and then sharing what I discover to help moms live empowered, joyful, and intentional lives. If finding yourself in motherhood sounds better than losing yourself in motherhood, I invite you to join me as we explore the nooks and crannies of motherhood. I am beyond giddy for today's episode because in it I am joined by my absolute mom crush, Avital. Avital is the creator of The Parenting Junkie, and I cannot stress enough the importance of checking out her work. If you visit theparentingjunkie.com, and I will also link um, where you can find her in the show notes, you will find not only a YouTube channel that is rich in parenting techniques and practical advice, but also courses that she offers on setting empathic limits and how to have a peaceful partnership. She really has a holistic approach to motherhood. And her very down-to-earth demeanor and her wisdom are so warm and so inviting. You simply can't go wrong. And if you're like me, you're going to discover her and then you're going to binge watch all of her stuff and take all of her courses. Today, we talk about peaceful parenting because it is through her work that I really discovered peaceful parenting and decided that it was something that I wanted to bring into my own motherhood. So go get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and tune in as Avital bestows us with her infinite wisdom. Today, I'm so happy to be joined by Avital, who is the person behind the Parenting Junkie. And Avital, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be the Parenting Junkie and where people can find you today? Okay, so Nicolette, thank you so much for having me, first of all. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. Um, the Parenting Junkie was born of my uh, obsession, let's call it, um, that it kind of took hold of me as I made the decision to become a parent for the first time and as I actually became a parent, right, going through pregnancy and having my first child, I was in the grips of this really, um, you know, deep dive into the world of parenting and particularly into alternative parenting. I, I kind of came at it through um, some holistic practices like cloth diapering or elimination communication or baby led weaning. And then that also took me into the world of peaceful parenting and respectful parenting and simplicity and conditional conscious parenting, etc. And I was kind of reading these books, a lot of books that might be considered kind of the classics of this space, um, but anything from attachment parenting to ride to the conscious parent to peaceful parent, happy kids and siblings without rivalry and kind um, not and uh, lots and lots and lots of different books. Really, honestly, when all is said and done, it's probably in the hundreds of, of books. Um, and and that became so fascinating to me that I eventually started to pivot my career towards that. So at first, it was just this organic sharing of the things that I was learning and I was fascinated by. Um, just I started a YouTube channel. I was like, well, I should stop chewing anyone who'll listen to me's ears off and instead put this stuff out on YouTube and maybe people who are actually interested in it will will get it if they're looking for it. And that then kind of 
um, grew and eventually I, I trained as a parenting coach and, and, and changed my whole uh, career to, to that direction because, and that's how the Parenting Junkie was born. So it was kind of just started from this natural interest and, and passion of mine. And it's really evolved over the years because I found you years ago on YouTube and just sat there and binged all your videos because they're so great. You and I have your own app. Yes, true. Yes. Yeah. The Parenting Junkie app, which is incredible. I've taken so many of your courses. You have these fabulous online courses. And I know, I think you've done it once, but you have done Bliss, the trip to Costa Rica. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Yeah, look at it. It's so up to date. That's right. We've done some, it's, it really has evolved in an incredible way. And I'm blessed to say that I have an amazing team who works by my side. Often people are like, how are you doing all these things with five kids at home? And I'm like, I'm not. I have an amazing team. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. I'm just not doing most of the things that make this machine go, you know. Um, but yeah, we. Um, I launched my online membership called Present Play six years ago or so and um, that has evolved so much over the years you know it, at, at first it was 160 people and I was just mind blown that 160 <laughs> people would join my my little membership about independent play and you know deliberate parenting and all these different things and that's six years ago and now it's over 3,000 and they're wow. from over 73 countries around the world I mean some countries I literally have never even heard of that's you know <laughs> just and, and yeah, we did a retreat before the whole pandoodle uh, made that impossible. But we, we did a retreat in Costa Rica, which was probably the best week of my life. One of the best weeks of my life. It was just incredible. So yes, um, we really, you know, I say we, I mean me and my team. Uh, our goal really is to um, offer parents a place to to learn and to connect with each other and to get all of the benefits of the online world and hopefully mitigate some of the, the darker sides that make it really difficult. And that's why we ended up building an app because our communities on Facebook and, you know, say what you will about Facebook, whatever, you know, pluses and, and minuses, of course. But we just found that on balance, the truth is that us personally, like me personally and my team personally, didn't want to be mm. on Facebook as much. And so we found that we really needed a way to connect that wasn't going to have the ads and the distractions and, and that's why that's why we we ended up building our own our own community and our own uh, platform so yeah thank you thanks for letting me chat about that it's always fun yeah no it's wonderful and I was immediately drawn to you I watched you know I can't I don't know how I stumbled upon your videos on YouTube but you are just you're not just an expert you're a mom and that totally comes through in your videos. There's no judgment. There's no shaming. It's not someone talking down to you. Um, you oftentimes will even be very honest and vulnerable about mistakes that you've made. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. That's the biggest compliment you could pay me because I, 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 I have a personal like allergy to self-righteousness and preachiness. <laughs> so, but on the other hand, when you're trying to share helpful information, sometimes it can sound a little preachy, like don't do that, do do this. And it's something that I, you know, I struggle with sometimes when I'm sharing the things that I've learned and the things that I think can really help. Um, so I, I appreciate that if I sometimes succeed, uh, that's wonderful. But yes, I'm very much a mom. I'm, I, I think there's a tendency because on a video or because in a course someone's, you know, put on makeup and got on good lighting and they're sharing what they've learned, there's a polished effect to that. 
And people sometimes, I know, I can tell that they don't really believe me or they still hold me on some kind of pedestal when I say I still yell at my kids and I still, you know, make terrible mistakes and I'm ashamed and please don't follow me around with a camera. It will be awful. <laughs> I mean, right, I spent a week with people in this retreat in Costa Rica and one of the things I wrote to them before we all arrived there, there were 75 people and I said, listen, like, I, you're going to see me with my kids. My whole family came. You're going to see me parenting. There are going to be tantrums. Uh, not just the children are going to have tantrums. <laughs> the adults will too. And, and I want you to be aware, like, this is a raw, authentic, vulnerable experience. Don't come expecting some kind of, you know, rock star parenting. I'll do my best. But, like, and so that's, that's important. I think it's important to reiterate again and again in the, in the world and in the age of comparison and polish and filters and highlight reels. Um, I always, I just try to interject that into every conversation I have is just, you know, you're, you're seeing someone's highlight reel. You're seeing me when I'm teaching or whatever. It's absolutely not that way on the back end. And my, my children will be the first to tell you that if you have a conversation with them. Yeah, no, your authenticity just shines through. And I think that's what originally pulled me in. And, you know, when I began, you know, as I said, binge watching all of your videos and where I really, um, Again, I don't know how I stumbled upon it, but what really brought me in was all of your conversation on peaceful parenting. And this was a term that I hadn't even heard of before. Um, I didn't know there was something actually called that. And so I was hoping that you could provide an introduction to peaceful parenting to let listeners know exactly what that is. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So I'm by no means the expert on this and I haven't coined the term or anything. It's not mine, as it were. Um, I think, you know, there are different mothers and fathers of peaceful parenting. You could look at Heimgi Not as a father of peaceful parenting. You could look at Dr. Laura Markham as a as a mother and an expert in the area of peaceful parenting. But um, the way I understand it, if I want to kind of wrap it up in a quick nutshell, is that there are two very typical styles of parenting that most of us grew up on both of them. Most of us had parents who are a mixture of punitive parenting and permissive parenting. And these are basically ways of controlling children's behaviors, either through um, punishment, so that punitive parenting would involve anything that's authoritarian, anything that's this top-down, dictatorial, sometimes tyrannical, and it could even veer off into, into abusive you know, lanes if you if you take it too far, right? But it's the threats, um, it's spanking, it's yelling, it's um, punishments, it's, you know, do as I say, jump when I say jump, all of that stuff that's very much basically like a drill sergeant in the army if I take a kind of extreme caricature and whatever I say goes. And that's that punitive parenting side. Um, and, and where the idea is basically that you need to get obedience from children. And the good thing about this parenting is that those parents have high expectations of their children. They expect obedience, they expect, uh, you know, good grades or good behavior or, um, you know, whatever it is, a good hygiene, all the different things that they expect that, if we're honest, all of us would like from our children, right? They have these high expectations. And that's actually, it turns out to be a really good thing. Children need high expectations. We all want people to think, uh, highly of us and to think that we have high potential and that we can do things and that we can accomplish and that we can achieve. Um, the, the dark side, the, the, the less good side about authoritarian parenting or punitive parenting is that it has low support. Um, so very high expectations with very low support means that 
I expect a lot of you, but I'm not going to help you to, to achieve your potential. I'm going to kind of, you know, bully you into it, really, in a way, right? Use my, use my authority, use force, use all of that power that I have to overpower you. Um, so that's one side. And then the opposite side of that, or, or not really the opposite, but the other side of the same coin, really, mm -hmm. because it's equally manipulative and, and potentially equally damaging, is permissive parenting. And permissive parenting is a, basically, it, it's a little bit of an inversion of punitive parenting. And that's what happens when um, parents don't set boundaries. They have low expectations. They just let everything slide. Right, and then you'll see parents who are trying to get cooperation through bribery, through a lot of praise. Oh, you know, emotional manipulation. You'll make mommy sad if you don't do this. Um, you know, I'll give you a lollipop, please. Begging, negotiating. Um, this is when we're saying things again and again and again. Like, I said to this. I said to this. I said to this, and we're not actually following through on a boundary, we're falling into permissiveness. Or when we just let things slide, like, okay, forget it, you know what, I'm not even gonna ask, I'm not even gonna try. Um, this is also when we start to uh, clear the obstacles from the child's path, right? Permissive parents don't want the children to struggle, they don't want them to face risk, they don't want them to face rejection. So they're very, uh, they can tend to go into overprotection and coddling and, um, you know, kind of that marshmallowing, like padding of the child, don't get hurt, don't, you know, your feelings should never get hurt, you should never be uncomfortable, you should never have to deal with anything. And that's the permissive side. And the thing about the permissive side is that it has very high support. And that's the good side of the permissive side is that it tends to be parents who are warm and loving and caring and close and connected. Often people who are drawn to attachment parenting uh, can fall down this trail, right? Like, no, I'm just gonna let them sleep with me till they're eight and whatever, it's fine, even though I'm suffering and I can't sleep and my back hurts, but it's okay, right? Just kind of that bending over backwards, uh, self, uh, self denial of the parent, like, I'll sacrifice myself, I don't need to eat, I don't need to drink. That's the, that is the high support, that, that, and, and the problem with that, apart from parental burnout, which is a very real problem, is that it often comes with low expectations. And, and the child perceives that they shouldn't be held to any standards, can't necessarily do anything, um, that there's, you know, that the, that the parent is just at their beck and call, and kind of the slave to them, and, and, and they can tend to become little kings of the world. Right, little little uh, little dictators themselves, and they can also tend to be rather um, uh, insecure because they're not facing challenges. So both of these parenting styles, punitive and permissive, first of all, can be present and are present in each of us. Like I myself have tendencies towards punitive and then tendencies towards permissive at different times of the day or the week or the month or with different children, right? It's like sometimes you'll yell a threat and then the next day, the next moment, you'll be like, you know what, forget it, I give up and you just, right? And that's kind of this swing, this this rabid, wild swing that we often experience between punitive and permissive and, and neither of these are very helpful or useful and, and they don't have great long-term um, effects for kids. Most of us grew up this way and we're all okay, as the saying goes, people like to say, you know, well, I was raised that way and I turned out fine, and it's true, you're raised that way and you turn out fine, but they do leave some scars and they, they aren't the most efficient and effective way of, of, of getting the results we want with our kids. So all of that, sorry, I'm making this answer very long, but all of that is the backstory to what peaceful parenting, the way I understand it, is the 
combination of high expectations with high support. So you take the high expectations from that authoritarian style. You do expect your children to behave well and to be respectful and to treat property and people and hygiene and all of that stuff with respect. And you expect them to do their chores and to work hard and to be helpful. And you, you have high expectations of them, but you also uh, meet those high expectations with high levels of warmth and support. And you really try to be uh, a friend to them, uh, uh, a companion, someone who they can confide in, someone who they're not afraid of. Um, you know, that's a hallmark of punitive parenting is that kids tend to be afraid of their parents and uh, in permissive parenting, kids tend to be disrespectful of their parents. I, I, I have a goal that my kids should respect me, but not fear me, mm. right? Not be afraid of me. And I think that really is kind of where the peaceful parenting pulls towards. So there's a lot more we could say, but I, I think that that's the best way to frame it up to begin. Yeah, with. you you touched on a lot of different elements of it, and I was hoping that you could just expand a little bit more on the benefits of peaceful parenting. Obviously, this can impact the child, the adult, and then of course the child-parent relationship. Can you just unpack that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So it's always helpful to do that in contrast to these other two styles. So you can imagine, and many of us grew up with a punitive parent, and when you feel that fear, you tend to, what, what tends to happen is that you tend to hide things from your parent. You're scared of their reaction, and so you don't, you know, you don't share with them as authentically, or, or, or you're not intimate with your parent. You don't share your deepest, darker secrets. They're not the people you would go to in times of stress or trouble because you know that they're going to punish you and you know that they're going to um, scare you or embarrass you or humiliate you. And with permissive parenting, the same is actually true because with a parent who's um, who's self-sacrificial and in victim mindset and that kind of thing, they're often going to try and solve all your problems for you or get too enmeshed with you or they'll cry even more than you're crying when you've been rejected or whatever, right? Like their feelings are so enmeshed with yours that you don't have any sense of healthy separation. But the goal with peaceful parenting, I think, is to have a healthy relationship where, um, yes, you're still the parent and you're still the guide, and there certainly is authority in that role. You're not, you're not a friend, in my opinion. Like you should also be a friend, but you're not only a friend. Like I think that there is responsibilities as a parent. Um, but um, but the goal is that you would have this kind of manipulative free. A manipulation free right uh, relationship that's that's authentic that's transparent that's honest um, and that guides children in a way that really helps them helps them to grow and become the heroes of their own journey helps them to face their obstacles um, so I often think of us as kind of let's say the Yoda to, to, to <laughs> Skywalker right like with this older wiser been there done that and now we have the confidence and the stature and the, the empathy to guide you through that growing up process. So it's a very grown up kind of approach to parenting where your focus is on your own maturity and modeling and lots of other tools that we can get into. But basically, I think that the, the results, you were asking specifically about results for children and results for parents, I mean, I think that the the results are hopefully gonna, gonna be a really confident, well-grounded, um, you know, uh, a child who feels capable in the world, a child who feels unconditionally loved, um, but also that they have responsibility, right? That they have 
that there's a meaning to what they do and what they do matters and that people care. Someone is there caring, you know, about the choices that they make. Um, and that's really, I think, a really good feeling for a child. So, um, yeah, and, and, and then hopefully a very close and connected relationship with the parent where on the one hand you respect your parent, but on the other hand you're very close to them and you're, you, you come, you know, I guess one of the ways to sum up the goal would be like when your child gets in trouble down the line, when they're a teenager, say, or a young adult, my, my, my deepest hope is that they would come to me that they would feel that they can come to me, right? And I would be a trusted source of information, of support um, in, a, in a situation like that, right? And so that's, I think, if we could kind of illustrate the outcome that we're hoping for in terms of the relationship with the child, that would be, that would be it. Yes, and we see that on memes and different things within peaceful parenting and respectful um, parenting communities. Yeah. I want my children to run to me rather than away from me when a situation arises. Yeah, and you have to think it's very it's very complex to create that, right? A lot of things have to happen in order for me to run towards someone when I've had a hard time. I mean, just think for yourself, like who do I go to when I'm in when I'm in distress, when I've been rejected, when I've had a hard time, when I'm in trouble. Um, there are really very few people, kind of hand-picked people, that we really feel that we can be that vulnerable with and that we can trust with that kind of delicate situation. And that level of trust takes years in the building, right? You don't do that to a new friend you've just met in the coffee shop. You don't do that to someone who's ever crossed you or, you know, or, or betrayed your trust or manipulated you. I mean, it takes years to build that kind of thing, and it's very easy to break it. So... It's a hard task, but I think it's possible. <laughs> you know, and, and I love that the work that you do, it doesn't try to beat around the bush and say that this isn't more difficult than standard American parenting because you can use, you know, rewards and punishment in order to get that desired behavior, but there's much more mindfulness in here. And I wanted to just talk about this a, a little bit here because I think that peaceful parenting really empowers the, the parent because not only um, not that you can't mess up and you're going to fumble and regardless of what your training is, you're going to fumble from time to time, but it feels good to parent in this way. And it gives you these skill sets where you get this positive feedback, but it also honors who you are as an individual. And this is something that you talk about at great lengths is that you have to fill your cup up before you can possibly fill up your child's cup. So if you want to just talk on that a little bit. Yeah, sure, absolutely. And I love, I'll just underline what you said about the empowerment. I think that's exactly right. And I often think of punitive parenting as overpowering, permissive parenting as disempowering, and then peaceful parenting as empowering, both to parent and child. So I think that's, that's, that's exactly right. But yeah, to be in an empowered state, you need to be an empowered individual. And that means, you know, it's so cliche, but it does mean filling up your cup first. Like I know that everyone's heard this, right? Put your own oxygen mask on first. It's just very practical advice. Like it's very real in the sense that we all are human and we're all going to snap and re revert to manipulation or to just anger and, and frustration and resentment. Uh, when we're on edge, when we're not, you know, well nourished, well slept, well cared for, uh, calm. It takes a lot to stay calm day after day after day, year after year, raising children. It's not, I don't think it's possible to stay calm day after day, but 
um, I think it's desirable to aim for it as much of the time as possible. And in order to do that, you kind of need a really big arsenal, at least I do, of, of you know, of tools. And also a lot of boxes need to be checked. Um, there are a lot of situations that make it, you know, close to impossible to, to keep calm and to be able to parent in a way that feels really good. All of us have that kind of shame hangover, or many of us have that shame hangover when we've when we've just, you know, shamed our child or yelled or called a name or, or broken something or got, gotten, gotten triggered in a bad way. Um, it just doesn't feel good. We know. We know it's, we're not being our best selves. We know we're not parenting the way that we want to. We know we're hurting the relationship. Um, and whilst there's always repair, 100%, and I rely heavily on it, um, it does feel much better and much more empowering when we are kind of in the driver's seat, you know, when we're not just on a wild ride and feeling like we're out of control and feeling like it's all too big and we don't know where we're going. You know, I, I think that might be a good metaphor is kind of if we're driving this car that is our family, right, and we're, we're on this journey and we're going somewhere and there are kids in the car, um, you, you want to feel sober and and awake and alert and yeah. you want to yes you know you want to know where you're going um you want to feel equipped you want to have a license you want to know what the signs mean you want to have some good music uh, and some great snacks and coffee and <laughs> you want it what you want it to be a good ride you know and it can be a really nasty ride when 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 some of those things aren't in place so yeah i think that's the empowered feeling is, okay, I can do this. I'm equipped. I've got what I need. I know how to, I know where I'm going. Um, and I can make it a pleasant ride. And even if there's a couple of detours or some mistakes that I make, like I can do this. And keeping that perspective is really important because it's very easy when you're home with your children day in and day out to play the victim card and to think I'm the one that's doing this all the time. And I'm so tired. I can't, I don't have time. I can't take care of myself. And I love that you, you don't allow that. You're like, no, you have more power than you realize. And when you embrace that, you're able to see the results that can, that can happen. And I just think that that message is so important. I remember a story of when I think your husband was out of town for a while and you were home by yourself. You live all over the world and you were in your apartment by yourself and all your kids were sick? Yep. Yeah. I was two weeks postpartum. I had a newborn, a two-year-old and a four-year-old and my toddler and my four-year-old started puking everywhere. And it was February. It was snow up to here. No friends and family. I'm living in this New York City building with like all the laundry machines are in the basement. And we're just going up and down in the elevator with these disgusting sheets and rugs and God knows. <laughs> What? I'm like trying to keep them clean and I'm trying to just recover from birth. My husband's across the world with his father on his deathbed. I mean, it was just such a crazy time. Um, but yeah, that was that. I always tell that story because it was a turning point for me. It was this point where I was like, I could spend this weekend, first of all, hating my husband, even though poor man is, is you know, saying his last goodbyes to his father. And yet here I am feeling like a victim that he's not here, right? I've just had a baby. I have tiny kids. I'm alone. Um, I could spend spend the month, the weekend building resentment. I could spend the weekend feeling sorry for myself, you know, crying in a corner, binge eating chocolate, uh, just being upset at my kids. 
uh, all the time for existing, um, right? I can, I, I can, and it would be justified, and it would be validated. Like it really would. You know, it was hard, and it is intense, and it is difficult. But to what end? You know, and do I want that kind of life? And is that, you know, is that what I went to all the trouble of having children for in the first place, right? To feel sorry for myself and how hard it is. And so I always feel like I'm allowed a little pity party, right? Like I'm allowed to feel sorry for myself for a few minutes. I'm allowed to, uh, we're all allowed and encouraged to feel our feelings, to mourn losses, to, to, to grieve frustrations, you know, to get to, 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 air our, to air our grievances a little bit. But it's more about what we do after that, you know? It's more about what you do at the next step, in my opinion. So you feel those feelings, you feel like a victim, you feel resentful. Why is it always me and it's not fair and it's too hard and I can't do this and I need a break and all of those thoughts are flooding your, your, your mind and, and then your body and you're just feeling this irritation built up and the ruminations and and then eventually you have to kind of let the buck stop and say well the buck stops here because i'm now creating that reality of a life of constantly feeling sorry for myself and i, I don't want that i want to feel empowered i want to be happy we all want to be happy but are we willing to really take the steps that it takes to be happy, right? To address those mindsets, to make the changes in our day-to-day -day life that we need to make, to build out our schedules, our home environment, our our words that we use, the communication style we use, the the, um, the body language that we use, to all start to orient us towards what a happy person looks like, what a what a fulfilled person looks like. I think happy is a bit of a tough word to to, to use, but you know, someone who feels fulfilled and satisfied, and and that they're living. A life on purpose and a life with meaning and so that was a turning point for me where I was like no I I'm a designer by trade I always solve problems for other people you know designing these beautiful solutions I'm gonna design a beautiful solution for myself I'm gonna build a beautiful life for myself even if I'm locked in an apartment with puking kids right now like I need to make this work and I need to feel empowered and capable and have humor and lightness and fun and um, and that's yeah, that's, that was definitely that moment. Well, and I love that in your work, you do go through that step process. You mentioned that you're a designer. That's what you went to school for is my understanding. And I love that a lot of your work is so practical and you say, design a house where kids can move, where they can play, where they can make messes because that's meeting their needs. And so a lot of what you do, um, you have all these classes that people could take, whether it's on... Um, you know, learning about how to take care of yourself, how to take care of your relationship, your parenting, parent and love course is wonderful. And so I think, um, you know, talking about how we have to take care of ourselves, you offer so many classes on just how to do that in such a practical way. And that will then allow you to be a peaceful parent. So as far as being a peaceful parent goes, we've talked about, you know, knowing your triggers, filling your cup up first, and then when you begin to do those things, you can regulate yourself emotionally, which is certainly the beginning step. Um, but what does for practical for on the practical side, what does peaceful parenting look like for the beginner who wants to begin to embrace this idea? I think if we want to get really practical on what kind of what you could do if you were to start trying to be a peaceful parent, is I think you need to start looking at um, learning to 
problem solve and set boundaries and communicate desires in direct and respectful ways rather than using manipulations or threats which I think it may be the key point when it comes to parenting that, that drives us away from peaceful parenting is our frustration when our child isn't listening to us or we need to get something done or there's a sibling conflict and we just want it to end and often we're looking for immediate obedience and then we will drive towards you know it's like uh, the ends justify the means it's like well I want a, a immediate obedience so I'll use any means to get there I'll raise my voice I'll yell I'll scream I'll threaten etc I'll use punishments and when you have a goal of preserving your relationship with your child, um, you realize that the means uh, are not justified, that the ends doesn't justify the means, that you can't just do anything in the name of obedience. And instead, you have to start to piece together tools um, that will be respectful and will invest in your long-term relationship with your child, not just in getting the immediate obedience in the moment. Because if you look at two parents who are trying to get their kids to put their shoes on in the playground, and one is a peaceful parent and one is a, um, say, a punitive parent, and they, the punitive parent says, get your shoes on now or no TV, right, or whatever. Um, they'll, the kid will get their shoes on and they'll be able to get out of the playground quick and it might work in that moment. Um, and the truth is that they might mean that and it might be an absolutely fair thing to say. It could be that if you don't get your shoes on now and we don't go home on time, there won't be time for TV. And that might be real. But when we phrase everything as a threat, like I'm lording over you these carrots and these sticks and I'll take them away or I'll, or I'll, you know, I'll bestow them on you, um, that feels really controlling and manipulative to a child and ultimately they're likely to kind of rebel or uh, just tune out uh, or, or perhaps even worse to internalize that they are you know that there is something wrong with them and that they do need to be constantly controlled and manipulated in that way whereas if we look at the peaceful parent in the park they might have that same boundary like I need you to get your shoes on but their body language their tone of voice the way that they explain uh, their request, the way that they state out those consequences are going to be different. So in both cases, if they don't leave the playground at that time, there'll be no TV. But in one case, it's presented as a threat, as a punishment. I'm going to take this away if you don't listen to me right now, right? And it, it sounds much more aggressive. And in the other case, it's going to be like, a parent coming close to the child, getting down on their level. So here are some practical things, right? Not yelling from across the park, coming in close, uh, explaining to them, hey, sweetie, I'm going to first validate you. I see that you're having the best time in the park. I also would love to stay. We're on the same team, right? This is showing them that we're on the same team. I get them. That's perfectly normal. I want you to know that if we don't get our shoes on right now, we're probably not going to have time for that TV show you wanted to watch. So let me help you get them on. Do you want to get them on by yourself or should I do it for you? Something along those lines. So we're validating, we're empathizing, we're coming in close, we're building a little bit of connection before we ask for a request. And then maybe we're phrasing the request in a way that's offering a choice and empowering the child, right? 
And, and, and I know I'm bringing a very simple example, like you could be saying, well, what if the kid's hit, hitting and kicking? What if the kid's being rude? And, and we can address all of that. This is just to illustrate the fact that it's less about um, the mechanics of like the requests themselves or the consequences that go along with them. And I think it's a lot more about how it's done, right? How and also why, right? What is the reason? Am I trying to, you know, often when we punish a child, we're trying to clap back in a way, right? We're trying to hurt them back because they're annoying us. Um, whereas in, in, in peaceful parenting, you really want to try and think about that long-term effect. Like what is the child learning from this? How is our relationship going to suffer or not from this? Will it cause a rupture? Um, you know, am I, am I modeling well? Am I modeling patience and negotiation and compromise and, um, and uh, self-regulation? right, etc. So am I holding myself to the same standards that I'm holding my child to? Um, all of those things I think will start to kind of flesh out this picture of what peaceful parenting looks like and it's basically using tools, I think if you wanted a shortcut, if you wanted a, a really kind of superficial but helpful shortcut is, you know, would I speak to another adult this way? Right, would I speak to someone else's child this way? Like my friend's child is in the playground and I'm telling them that we need to leave or, or we won't get time for TV. How am I going to phrase it to my friend's child? Right, that's going to be a really good clue for you to how you might phrase it to your own child if you were engaging in peaceful parenting. Yeah, that's so true. I love that. And what about in these more heightened moments where maybe it's a tantrum or where you're really struggling? Um, how do you get yourself in a mindset to respond peacefully? What are the steps for that when there's really um, a struggle occurring? Yeah, so I think the, the, the first step is always my own self-regulation, which is probably the biggest challenge for all of us, right? Because we don't even see it coming. We get triggered, we go into fight, flight or freeze mode, our amygdala is firing, our prefrontal cortex is offline, which means that we can't think properly, which means that we can't remember the steps that I'm about to tell you. So it becomes this kind of vicious cycle that we can't really handle. And so the precursor to this is to try to prevent ourselves from getting all the way into a triggered state. As we start to feel tensity, uh, 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 tense, tensity, tensity, is that a word? Tenseness, uh, whatever, tense uh, feelings arise within us, uh, intensity, uh, put it that way, then uh, we want to kind of catch it as it arises and, and self-coach, right? We want to self-coach, we want to talk ourselves down from that ledge of fury. Um, from that ledge, ledge, of, ledge of rage or, 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 or where we switch off. Some of us just kind of switch off. We go and escape to our phones or our bathrooms or we just can't, right? And, and I think for me, uh, when anger arises within me, I always think that that is a signal for a break. Um, but not a break with a slam door and a, you know, yelling, a, yelling a curse word first, but basically just saying, I feel myself getting really upset and irritated. I need to just take a few minutes. It's not your fault. Please don't come in. Um, I'm shutting the door. And then even if the kids are knocking at that door and screaming, no, mommy, you have to come. I will ignore them because I know that it's in their best interest and my best interest that I remove myself, take a break and come back when I'm in my right mind. That's hard to do, but it's really, really worth it. And I, I like to think of it as when you're angry, um, you're drunk. Like, you're, it's like being drunk. And when you're drunk, you don't operate heavy machinery. 
you know, you don't make big decisions, you don't have important conversations. It's just not a good time. You need to wait until you sober up. And so I kind of think of that as me just waiting there until literally until the chemicals settle and I'm sober and then I'm more able to have a, a, a normal conversation and, and, and show up well. So yeah, that would be phase one is really, really trying very hard to notice our own emotional regulation, regulatory state and then regulate ourselves by, by taking a break. The good news is that time uh, really is your best friend when it comes to intense feelings because intense feelings don't stay for long. They're like a wave, right? And if you can wait, if you can just wait a little bit longer, you will calm down. Um, and so the point is to try and do no harm when we're at the height of that reaction, right? That's the challenging thing is to kind of gag ourselves, to remove ourselves as much as possible um, to not be too too righteously you know vindicated and like go all in when we're not in our right minds so that's like on the parent side and then when the child is having say an aggressive tantrum they're hitting their siblings they're throwing things they're in the throes of something uh, one of the most useful things that i like to remember uh, is i like to really see feelings um negative feelings in particular right that those feelings that we don't like and that we don't appreciate and enjoy the anger the sadness the frustration etc and tantrums um i like to remember that they are uh you know th th there's an emotional digestive system if you will right we ingest all sorts of things right call it the food that we eat is all the different things that we're experiencing throughout the day he said something to me i read that book i watched that movie i went over here i'm tired and i was hungry i was right children have that all all their experience and then you know our digestive system takes what our body needs and turns that into good energy and releases the waste and I sometimes think of tantrums, for example, like pooping, right? Like it's a bit stinky, it's not particularly pleasant, um, but everyone does it and it's normal and it just needs to come out. And I like to think of it that way because I think it's kind of this no shame and no meaning attached particularly to it. Um, but there is an appropriate way of behaving, right? Like. If my child's pooping in the living room, yeah, I'm gonna say something about that. Like, you don't do that over here, right? Go go to the bathroom, shut the door, do it in an appropriate place. Um, but, uh, but it's normal and natural, and all you really need to do is wait, and it will come out. So if you think about that with the tantrum, it's like, I'm not gonna let you, you know, ruin the birthday party, or do this at the dinner table, or throw things, you know? But your feelings are allowed, and they should come out, and when they do, you'll feel better like you'll just feel better to get that out of your system so um so yeah so i i kind of think that the job in peaceful parenting is to balance between that high expectation and that high support right so the high expectation is i, I expect you not to destroy property to treat people with respect not to call names etc and therefore when you're having a tantrum when you're behaving this way you need to go somewhere you need to go to your room I can come with you if that's helpful and if I can regulate myself right which is not all not always obvious but if I can then I'll come with you and then we can wait it out and that's the support piece is that I'll be I'll be here for you I'll witness you I'm not going to shame you 
um, and I'll help you coach you through it. And afterwards, you can I'll help you make your apologies and make your amends and fix the things that you've done wrong. Um, but um, but that combination is kind of going to hold a space where feelings are allowed. You're allowed to be mad. You're allowed to be angry. But not all behaviors are right. You're not allowed to hit and kick and throw and 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 be rude. So that that's kind of the balance I think there. Does that make yeah. Sense? And you provide so much knowledge on this on YouTube, in your app, um, in your courses that you have. So um, I know you have a course on empathic limits. Can you just briefly talk about that and how that embraces peaceful parenting? Yeah. So the idea with empathic limits is that we do set limits, that we say no to things and we say yes to things and we have these high expectations, as I've been saying, um, but we do so with empathy, with warmth. So it's really just unlinking any sense of, I need to shame you into it, I need to bully you into it, I need to nag you into it. It's, it's uh, starting to see that I can set a clear limit and set a clear boundary and follow through on it without nagging, without repeating myself, right? So I'm a firm believer that parents are an authority and we absolutely do have to set limits. I think children need it, they deserve it, they thrive on it um, when there are clear boundaries in place. Um, but I also don't think that you need to make those boundaries uh, feel bad to everyone, right? Um, I think it, it's we can follow through on our logical consequences or natural consequences or that type of thing, um, and I can define those if that's helpful. But uh, we can follow through on those things and still be a warm figure towards our child, right? Still not become their enemy. They're always like gonna. You know, sometimes we might feel like an enemy to them, you know, momentarily, but ultimately, uh, I don't think we will. Well, and like you said, uh, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily an easy thing to embrace, but you said earlier on, you need to have these tools and in all of your research, you now have them and you're sharing them with the masses, which is wonderful. And that's why I hope people will check your website out, check out your app and your courses, because you can really go into a deep dive here and really understand all of these empathic limits and taking care of yourself. You have a course on having a peaceful relationship with your partner and all of this stuff impacts our parenthood in such a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. It's a holistic unit, the family, right? It's There's so much that goes into making a family strong. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, if, if, for example, you're, you're really working on being a peaceful parent as I was back in the day and I still am, but then I realized like, oh my gosh, but my partnership with my husband is totally not peaceful. Honestly, you know, one doesn't really work without the other. Not at least there's a limit to how effectively it can work because ultimately you're modeling things and you're experiencing those same ruptures in your relationship and it's very, very hard um, to make big strides with your family without kind of inching forward on all fronts, right? On the self-care and on the home piece, the physical environment piece, the, the time management piece, there are so many pieces to it, which is why I try to really give that holistic view because I believe families are are a very interconnected unit and and the health of the whole family depends on its you know kind of rises and falls with with its least healthy part so we want to try and grow it all you know yes no i love your approach it's so practical and it has helped me tremendously so in closing i don't know if you have anything else that you want to share about peaceful parenting um 
any last minute tips or things to consider as someone is going down this path? Um, I think just what comes to mind when you ask that is I, I would love to just just put out there that I, I have found parenting to be, um, and I still find it to be all the time, the most fruitful personal development track you could embark on. And so I would say beyond doing this for your kids, uh, I would dive into this role with that like passion and gumption, open-mindedness and, 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 and kind of eat it all up and, and try and, and grow in, through that path. Because for me, I think this is the best route or, or the biggest shortcut, like a hack as it were, to creating a life of meaning. And I say that because we know that from people's, uh, you know, Bronnie, Bronnie Ware, I think, was the palliative nurse who wrote a book on the five regrets of the dying. And when people are on their deathbed, they don't regret that they didn't make more money or that they didn't lose more weight or whatever it is. They don't regret many of the things that are really, really keeping us busy right now. They regret not living a life that was truer to themselves or not being more authentic and honest with the people that they love. I, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. But I think, for me at least, when I project myself into the future, I, I think my regret will be, you know, not being even more present and uh, kind of really in, in, in that mode of giving and receiving love and unconditional love to the people I care about most, um, even more. Like, that's what I will that's where I feel that I create a lot of meaning in my life. So I think if you've already gone to all the trouble, and it's a lot of trouble to create a family, like that's really hard in and of itself to, you know, to, to find the, the partner and to, the, you know, go on the whole journey in pregnancy and or adoption or whatever the process was. These are these are big things that we do to become parents, and and then to be a parent, but to kind of. Um, cruise control and not notice the drive to me that's a little bit like you're in that car that we said and and then you get to your destination and you're like wait what where was I in these last five minutes you, you kind of blacked out and you didn't realize that you were driving because you were just on autopilot um, and you didn't take in the scenery so I think um, I guess that's all I would say is that this is a very profound route for meaning but it can also be a profound route for suffering and for dysfunction and I know that the vast majority of us feel that our families are the most important things in our lives but we also the majority of us I read recently that it was somewhere close to 70% of Americans say that their family is dysfunctional so the same people who are saying that their family is the most important things in their lives are also saying that this most important piece is not functioning well is not fulfilling and meaningful and I would say if this is this is the kind of the key uh, to satisfying meaningful lives and it's very hard it's very hard it's it's not a joke like it, it's it's not easy to build a functional family it is not easy to build you know what I call an unbreakable family to build this strong family very very hard takes a lot takes a lot um, but I guess my point is that it takes a lot because it's worth it, mm -hmm. right? Or it's worth it because it takes a lot, or it takes a lot, and it's worth it. But that's exactly where the, the meaning is unlocked in that effort, 
in that investment. And I think I, I, I feel strongly that this is, this is as good a route as any and perhaps the best route of any uh, to building a meaningful life. Oh, I love that so much. And we get to do it once. So yeah, you have to be very mindful and intentional. And that's what your work is all about. Thank you so much. I have one more question before we go. I always like to ask people um, about books that they've read that have been very influential. I know yours because I've read a lot of the books that you've suggested, but could you just share with us maybe some books that were super influential and then maybe what you're reading now or listening to as a podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So in the space of parenting, there really are a lot of books that have been very influential on me. Uh, I'll say that it, just because this is kind of a peaceful parenting intro, one of the most practical books, and it's a timeless piece, is How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. I think it's such a great entry book because it also is full of cartoons, and I find it very easy. I still leave it around, and I'll like flick back and like read just the cartoons on that page, and it's kind of standalone. So I always think that's a really fun place to start if you're going to enter in the world of parenting. I think it's highly practical um, and useful. It's not too you know not too out there. Um, but I also recently read, and it might not be updated on my page yet. I read um, is the Comfort Crisis, um, and I thought that was very good. And I'm currently reading the Boy Crisis which is also fascinating and relevant for girl parents as well, but really, really interesting. Um, so those are just some of the things that I'm reading now. But maybe uh, some of the books that influenced me most, you know, it's funny because I don't at all follow Alfie Cohn's, like, you know, uh, teachings to a T at all. And I think a lot of people can find him very extreme or, 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 or preachy even, dare I say. But I personally love Alfie Cohen and I love reading things that are way more extreme than how I actually parent and just kind of, I'm a big believer in take it or leave it and gather the nuggets that you like and pick and choose. So I'll definitely say Uncon Unconditional Parenting was a very pivotal book for me and really opened my, my eyes. And I'm sure I don't live up to Alfie's standards by any, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but I really enjoyed that book as well. Um, and then there's a, a long list of books on, on my website. There. Yeah. I, I just interviewed him within the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I did. And, and I'm certain that it was because of your recommendation from years ago to read his book. And yes, I agree with you that, um, you can certainly pull nuggets of wisdom from there and it is a good read in the peaceful parenting space. So, and I know you've done lots of work with Laura Markham too. Yeah. Yeah. I've done work with Dr. Laura Markham and with Dr. Shafari Tabari and I love both of their books. The conscious parenting the conscious parent was amazing and, and very, very um, pivotal for me. Um, and all of Dr. Laura Markham's books are so practical um, and really, really, really just fantastic just such great guides to kind of how to yeah i think we're definitely kind of also mothers of this space as it were yeah and then the simplicity parenting which i love and hand in hand parenting um which is fantastic i think it just starts to get a little bit overwhelmed. i know <laughs> a lot there's a lot but um they're all they're all great in their own different way i think the key though is to read them with a little bit of a grain of salt in the sense that you have your own filter and you don't let it, you know, don't let it be another thing that you're comparing yourself to, you know, remember that authors are just humans and they have their own life and their own biases and different than you, you know, and that's okay. 
just take what works and leave the rest. And it has to feel like you too. It has to, you have to be authentic in parenting. So it has to feel like you, not that you can't grow and evolve, but I think that it's important to have something speak to you um, instead of just phoning it in, so to speak. Yes. Yes. Both things are true at once for sure. I agree. Yes. Well, I want to thank you again for coming on Avital. I simply adore you. Your work has been so transformative for me. You are it for me. Thank you, Nicola. It was an absolute honor to be here and I love that conversation. So thank you so very much. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Avital. I really encourage you to check out her work at theparentingjunkie.com. I promise you will not be disappointed. I also ask that if you did find this episode to be helpful, that you share it with a friend and also leave a review because that helps other moms find me. And I find it to be so encouraging when I get good feedback. It really keeps me going. Um, I say that while my daughter is feeding me chewed up pork rinds and my two sons are playing hockey downstairs and I'm hoping that none of this gets picked up on the audio. (laughs) We're in this together, folks. (laughs) Bye.